to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Well, good evening again. Jews, as a rejected people, guilty of the murder of Christ. He considered the Jews blasphemers and liars because they rejected the divinity of Jesus. They were no longer the chosen people, but the devil's people, and referred them to them with violent language. He advocated setting synagogues on fire, destroying Jews, Jewish prayer books, forbidding rabbis from preaching, seizing Jews' property and money, and smashing up their homes so that these envenomed worms would be forced into labor or expelled for all time. We are at fault in not slaying them amounted to a sanction for murder. God's anger with them is so intense that gentle mercy will only tend to make them worse, while sharp mercy will reform them but little. Therefore, in any case, away with them. Books in which he said that whoever would help the Jews was doomed to perdition. A pastor used his teaching to urge his parishioners to murder the Jews. Who do you think said that? Hitler. Thank you. Would you be surprised if I told you it was Martin Luther? Don't be. This is why it's so important. The title of tonight's message is, Where is it written in the Bible? Now, Martin Luther took some Old Testament on some of the punishment of the Jews and used that rather than taking the whole counsel of God throughout the Old and the New Testament. How important is it for us not to listen to men or women, but to listen to what God says in His written Word? And, again, where is it written in the Bible? And I think that's why so much heresy, so much uh, blasphemy is in the church throughout the world today. There's a pastor, just was sent something this morning, who uh, wants to grow cannabis in his church. He figures it'll bring in more males and they can start gardens of cannabis. This is a false teacher. These are, these are people who are not concerned with giving glory to God. Where is it written in God's Word? Where is it written in the Bible? So let's take our life book and open it up to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. Actually, verse 13. But before we go there, just a little recap if you haven't been with us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In chapters 1 and 7, we looked at how Jesus Christ was working through the Holy Spirit through the apostles in Jerusalem. 
And then in chapters 8 to 12, we saw how Jesus was working through the Holy Spirit, uh, through the apostles in Judea and Samaria. And chapter 13 to chapter 28, we're seeing how, or we will see how Jesus is working by the Holy Spirit through the apostles to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what's so awesome is that in Acts 1, where uh, Jesus said that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, it should be that where it's written in God's word, we should see it play out also in God's word. We should see the fulfillment of something that God said. So that's always important to understand that God has set the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with all his promises. You know, and we live in an age where we still are looking forward to the fulfillment of some prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet, including the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ. So these are things that are still in the forecast for you and I to actually uh, be partaking in. So the last time we looked, Peter had stood up because what's going on is the Judaizers are saying that Gentile converts, Gentile believers in Jesus needed to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses if they wanted to be um, believers. But that's not what God wanted. But yet some people were so stuck in their mindset of their tradition that they didn't see a new working of God. So, matter of fact, let's, let's go back to verse 12. It says, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So last time, Peter has just finished. He's talked about all that God has done. But you have to remember that this was 10 years later where we are right now from when Pentecost took place at the beginning of the church. So 10 years has gone by, and now Barnabas and Paul are declaring how many miracles they experienced in that year journey. Remember, they went all over, all the way up to um, Antioch, Pisidia, and Cyprus, and all the things that God did. So some of the things that Barnabas and Paul saw God do was, do you remember the, uh, the Jewish sorcerer was blinded? Um, and his name was Bar-Jesus. He was a false prophet. But there was the salvation of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. He came to know the Lord through the blinding of the false prophet. There was also the word of God spread throughout various cities as Paul and Barnabas were traveling. Many Jews and Greeks, Gentiles, believed. It wasn't just the Jewish Nation. It wasn't just the Jewish believers. They were non-Jews believing, and this was unheard of, but it was another miracle of God. There was a lame man from birth that was healed. Paul was stoned and left for dead, if you remember. And the apostles' disciples got around him and prayed, and he got up, and he went back into the city from where he was stoned. And then the next day he left. The number of disciples grew. The door of faith was opened up to the Gentiles. So a lot of awesome things were taking place. Now, as we continue, remember the same Holy Spirit that was working 
back in these days, that same Holy Spirit is still doing a great work right here in this church, right here in the lives of the people in the church, and doing that throughout our country and throughout our world. There's great things happening. You know, we talk about all the bad news. Is there any good news? Yeah, Jesus is coming. You know, uh, Jesus is working in the hearts of his sons and his daughters. We have the greatest hope there ever is, Jesus Christ. No one else can say that except believers in Jesus. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And this is really the crux of the situation here in Acts 15. The Judaizers saying, you must be circumcised, you must adhere to the law. But we see Paul in Galatians and Paul with Barnabas is seeing the result of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the world with His grace and lives are being changed that are separate from the works of the law. You and I need to take a stand for truth. You and I need to do that. Paul, Peter, Barnabas, all the disciples, men and women, all took a stand for the truth. Some went to their death for it, right? They were martyred because they stood on the truth. What is truth? Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Before I go into 14. Now James, this is the half-brother of Jesus. This is the, the guy who didn't believe that his brother was God himself in the flesh. He grew up with him. He interacted with him. Just think of that for a second. Growing up with Jesus. You, you're growing up with Jesus. Man. What a crazy time that would have been. You probably would really say, well, Mom, you never yell at Jesus like that. <laughs> right? Just all the things we go through, right, in our families. And here was Jesus. God Himself in the flesh growing up from an infant to a teenager to a young man. So James is the head of the church. He's like the bishop in the church in Jerusalem. Something to point out wasn't Peter. Isn't that something? It wasn't Peter. You know, some denominations make him the Pope. But he wasn't in leadership here. It was James. And it wasn't because James was a half-brother of Jesus. It was because of his integrity and the way he walked and his faith and his actions. Verse 14. Simon, or Simeon, which is Peter's uh, Hebrew name, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for His name. Don't lose sight of this. It's easy for us to do that here in 2022. But back in these days, for a Jew to hear that God is choosing Gentiles to be His own people was radical. It was intense. 
They never heard of this. Remember, they looked down upon non-Jews. But God was doing a new work. Remember, with uh, uh, Peter at Joppa with the sheet with all the different animals. You know, he told Peter, don't call something unclean that I've made clean. And part of that was in reference to the people, to the Jews and the non-Jews. So God wants to visit the Gentiles. He is visiting the Gentiles. And he is taking out of them a people for his name. Who's he taking out? Who's he choosing? Those people that are giving them their heart. He's give, they're giving their heart to Jesus. Just like you did. Just like I did. And then he started a work in them. Verse 15. And with this... The words of the prophets agree just as it is written. Verse 16, After this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David which was, has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. So you have James stepping up after Peter has spoken, after Barnabas and Saul has spoken, and now he's saying, hey guys, Peter told you how 10 years ago how there was a move of God's Spirit as the church began. How God came down and gave him their, His Holy Spirit and people were converted. 3,000 people were converted on that first, first day. And he's been changing Gentiles and Jews' lives in the past 10 years. We can see the evidence of it. So question, how much evidence do you and I need or does the world need to see that God is real and that He came to save this planet from itself? Remember Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man said, well, if somebody even raises from the dead and goes... It just goes up and tells people, well, listen. Well, they didn't, did they? The majority of people didn't when Jesus rose from the dead. But what does it take us to see the hand of God in our own daily lives? Right? How is God touching your heart? How does He touch my heart? Are we aware of that? Are we sensitive to the moving of His Holy Spirit in our lives? We should be. That should definitely be something that's taken place. The way any work of God should be judged is by what is written. At the end of 15, it says, just as it is written. And that's, you know, the title. Where, does it, where is that written in the Bible? Like you get into discussion with someone and they want to know something. Show it to them in the Bible. And if you can't find it, say, hey, listen, I'll get back to you. I'm not sure exactly where that is, but next I'll give you a text. I'll send you a text where it is as soon as I check it out. And don't say anything if you don't know it's not written in God's Word. That's so crucial. You want to be a shining light that is grounded in God's Word. And that's something, right, as believers in Christ, we should be growing in our, our knowledge of God's Word. So important that we grow. James proves his point. By quoting Amos 9, verses 11 to 12. And that's what I read beginning with verse 16. 
Note, he stated that what Amos wrote agreed with Peter, Barnabas, and Paul. But the actual fulfillment of the prophecy in Amos hasn't taken place yet. It'll take place in the end times. You can read that further down in verses 8 to 15 of Amos 9. We're, We're just looking at verses 11 and 12. And it says at the end of 17, the Lord who does all these things. You know, it's no surprise to God. He has it perfectly mapped out. Before the creation of this planet, everything that took place through the creation of the world, through the fall of man, through the redemption of man, through our individual lives just today. He knows what's going to take place in your heart, your life tomorrow. He cares for you so much individually and he just wants you to just be in tune with his Holy Spirit. In Amos 9, verses 11 to 12, there's a promise here that Israel will be restored. That Israel will be, once again, God's attention will turn on the Jewish nation. And we have seen many here in this church that are Jewish believers. They become complete Jews. They receive Jesus as their Messiah. But there is a day coming. We believe it's during the tribulation period where most of the Jews will come to their knowledge and their salvation. Because we're in the church age. When God removes the church, the believers of Jesus Christ, then his attention will turn back to the Jewish nation. But until then, there's more Gentiles and Jews to be saved. But this is the church age. God's attention is on the Gentiles. And that started way back at the day of Pentecost. Isn't that wild? That 2,000 years later, it's still going on. But we're getting closer. We're getting closer and closer to that time that Jesus will take us out. This is why it's important to pray for Israel, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to pray for individuals you know who are Jewish. God loves them so much. He hasn't turned his back on them. It says in the scriptures that he uses you and me, non-Jews, to stir up jealousy in them. Jealousy towards our, because of our love of Jesus, our love of God. There's something God has put in every Jewish believer that when they see that, it stirs up their emotional hearts, their spiritual life. And they look at you and say, boy, why do you know the scriptures better than me? How do you know about Passover? Or how do you know about the Feast of Trumpets? You actually do a Passover Seder in your church? Aren't you a Christian church? Those kind of things stir them up to jealousy. Talked about in those verses the tabernacle being restored. Well, one of the things besides the actual temple where the tabernacle was held, was also just the, the spiritual tabernacle of men and women's hearts was collapsed. They were, they were steeped in tradition. They were legalist. They weren't following what God was showing them through His Word and His movement among men and women. How about you? How about me? 
Are we aware of the things going on around us that God wants to do in our hearts and our lives? That's, that's, that's big. There are three main references to the tabernacle or the tent of David. Isaiah 16.5 is the first reference. Amos 9.11, which we just looked at part of it. And Acts 15.16, which we are in. Those are the, the references of the tabernacle of David, which James is repeating here with this passage from Amos. Now, the essential argument from Peter's early experience with Cornelius, a Gentile, was that God was also calling Gentiles to himself. The apostles were not to put on Gentiles a burden that no one else could keep, and that was that law of Moses. But notice how throughout the chapters of Acts, this has been a a common thing that keeps surfacing. But as the leaders of the new church keep drilling at home and they're showing the examples of how God is blessing people under grace, it's starting to sink in. We see God in Acts reaching out to the Gentiles to take out from among them people in His name. James, again, the leader of the church, is confirming what Peter just said. That God had chosen Peter to open the the door of salvation to the Gentiles. James is just making it clear. Sometimes when you hear things two or three, four times, it finally sinks in, doesn't it? Takes a while. The tabernacle referred to in Acts 15, 16 is the house of God that is now open to the Jews and Gentiles who receive Him as Lord and Savior. Remember the tabernacle, the curtain that separated uh, the Holy of Holies from the rest of the tabernacle? Remember when Jesus dies, it was torn? Not from the bottom to the top where, where a man could do it, but way up there, just picture the curtain way up near the corner there, and it's ripped from the top to the bottom with no physical hands and God opened up that curtain because he was saying now everybody can come at any time and enter before the presence of God you don't have to do it once a year you can do it every second of every day throughout the whole time of your lives because of what Jesus did at the cross we have access to the throne of God how cool how awesome is that that we can do that where other religions are hoping that their prayers reach God, or they have to face in a certain direction and not even sure then if their prayers are heard. But Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. The Holy Spirit living inside you is God Himself living inside of you. Do we take advantage of that relationship, right? Do we grow? Do we, do we glean? God, where we're going today? What do you want me to do today? What do, you, what do you want me to say in this situation that I have no clue of what to say right now? Lord, am I submiss- submitting to you? Am I, am I in the place you want me to be right now, Lord? Make me that person, Lord, that you want me to be. Peter, Paul, and Barnabas did, did perform 
did see God perform miracles in their preaching. But was it because they were preaching the law that they saw the miracles of God? No. It's because they were preaching grace. Are you a preacher and a person of grace? Or are you a preacher and a person under the law? That's important. God honored their message because it was full of His grace. It was full of His Spirit. God opened the door of grace and not the door of the law. And that door of grace is still open. Thank God. Or we want to be here. Galatians 3.5 says, Therefore, He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does He do it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith? And of course, the answer is the hearing of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. As you sit and listen, as you read particular verses tonight, as I reiterate things that I've already wrote down, our faith is just growing. It's getting stronger. And that's why God says in His Word, don't stop meeting together. Don't start having home Bible studies. Don't stop uh, worshiping and singing songs to me because all of that is just making you tighter with God. The Jews who were putting this burden of circumcision were not being righteous. They weren't showing any grace. They were just in legalistic, fleshly behavior and they weren't loving their neighbor. They weren't being kind. They weren't acting as God would be acting in person if He were there. Now remember, they're bringing all these concerns. Remember, they traveled from Antioch to the church in Jerusalem. So they're at this council meeting and they're trying to figure all this out because it's the beginning of a new church. And God, you know, wants to get this right. Because as they go out into the world, can you imagine if they got it wrong and they went out into the world? The fundamentals would be all messed up. And that would impact and hurt so many people. So God wanted to make sure that at the beginning everything was set. So councils have no authority in the church unless it can be shown that their conclusions are in accord with Scripture. An old preacher said that. Councils have no authority in the church unless it can be shown that their conclusions are in accord with Scripture. Where is it written that you're coming up with this stuff? Show me in the, show me in the Bible why your church is doing this. And I can tell you from being involved in this church right here for close to 20 years, we can show you in the Scriptures all the stuff we do. There's nothing that we do not do here that isn't backed by the written Word of God. Thank you, Jesus, right? Verse 18 of Acts 15. Known to God from eternity are all His works. Paraphrase of that verse is God said it, now He's doing it. It's no afterthought. He's always known He would do this. So everything we're seeing throughout Scripture, 
He already knew it was going to happen. He already knew where everything was leading to. You know, the Father knew that the human creation was sin. He knew that Jesus would come down to earth and die for mankind, that he would rise from the dead, um, that he would ascend into heaven, that he would send his Holy Spirit. He, know, he knew that the church would be born and both Jews and Gentiles would be saved. And everything that's taken place since these days, God already knew it ahead of time. Isn't it great to know that our God knows everything that's going to happen before we get there? Yeah? Versus a God that says, oh my goodness, what just happened to Vinny? No, he knows. What a great comfort that is in a crazy world, right? That God has it all planned out. Verse 19, Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them first to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So in verse 20, that we write to them. It's like the first epistle, right? To write to them, to show them these things. To show who? To show the Gentiles. But also to show the Jewish believers that things are changing. God is doing a new work. He wants to put new wine in new wineskins. There's a new movement of God's Holy Spirit and you can't put it into old wineskins. Can't, you can't put the new move of God and His grace back into the old law. It doesn't fit. Jesus came to fulfill the law. But remember, the law was a tutor that leads people to Christ. Jesus, the teacher, once the teacher is back in the classroom, you don't need the tutor anymore. You listen to the teacher. And we listen to Jesus, who's our teacher. And it says, but we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from se sexual immorality. So you've got to remember, too, remember, the Gentiles are being, or up to this point, throughout their history, their lifestyle was worshiping idols. Their lifestyle was sexual immorality, a lot of it, right, tied to the temple prostitution. Theirs was having multiple partners or, or the same sex partners. There's nothing new now that wasn't back in these days. It's nothing new. Only thing new is that governments are legalizing sin. That's all that's new. On a mass scale throughout the world. But the truth is truth. And love is love. And justice is justice. And God is coming back to set all things right. And He wants to use you and me to give His love and give His Word and give Jesus to others 
so he can change their hearts that are steeped in darkness. They don't see the things that God wants to shed light on without his Holy Spirit being there. Things strangled from blood. Remember, part of the dietary law was they couldn't, the Jews could not eat anything with blood in it. So if they strangled an animal, if an animal was strangled, all the blood didn't come out of it. But kosher food is where they allow all the blood to drip out and there's no blood in it. And this has been taught, the Jewish dietary laws, throughout history, throughout the generations, through the law of Moses. It was preached in the synagogues every uh, Sabbath. So you have to understand that you can see why the Jewish people had a problem with the Gentiles coming in and, and being one with the Jews. But this is why there was this Jerusalem council. So let's continue in verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Now see, that's important for us to see going back. What is, what is in God's written word? And remember, God had put James in control in Jerusalem, and James had to make a decision. And he made a decision, and that decision is now this letter that's going back to Antioch and Syria. Saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Barnabas and Paul were well known among the Jews, among the Gentiles. And remember, they were on a year journey, a missionary journey, Paul's first missionary journey. So they were, they were well known. And that they have risked their lives through all the terrain, all the weather, all the sickness. So these guys were well respected. Verse 27, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Isn't it cool in verse 28 that it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us instead, for it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. How many times do we reverse that, huh? should always be God's move first, and then we're just along for the ride. God, what do you want me to do? Show me how you want me to do this. Verse 29, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. 
And then he says, farewell. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 and 25, it says, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. You see, there was a twofold decision that was being taken place in Jerusalem and now sent to the other churches. One was doctrinal about salvation. The other was practical on living a Christian life. The doctrinal was that everybody was a sinner, Jew and Gentile alike. Didn't matter if you had the law of Moses or not. You're a sinner. And the other part of that doctrinal message was that you're saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That doctrine leads to action, should. That doctrine leads to our duty. We believe and apply, otherwise we're living a lie. We should be applying the doctrine we believe in our daily walk. The practical are two commands to obey. Avoid idolatry and sexual immorality. So they're laying out what's going on in the world. And now that you're believers in Jesus, you guys got to stop worshiping idols. Worship God, the living and true God. There are no gods beside Him. He's the one true God. And sexual immorality. You should be married to one person. You shouldn't be playing the field. And then there were two concessions from the council. To abstain from eating blood and meat from strangled animals. So there was a consensus where both sides had to give. They were now one in Christ. Verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitudes together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So they didn't just read the letter and go home. They stayed. They had Bible studies. They got into the Scriptures. They got together. They had fellowship. They had church. Their leaders just didn't leave them hanging. They exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. Are you encouraged by the words of God? Are you strengthened? Are you exhorted? Hopefully we can all say yes. Definitely. Verse 33. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord. 
and see how they're doing. We're going, to rat, we're going to stop there and see that whole thing that takes place between these friends. Because they're human, there's going to be some more conflict coming. But even from that conflict, uh, there's going to be glory to God through it. But I think it was, as we close, two things that the Lord sort of put my own heart in preparing this is just... Know God's written word, where it is. And number two, is allow God's Holy Spirit to continue to use you and grow you and move you. Because He is God who's doing a new work, even if you've been a Christian for a long time. Or you've been a Christian just a little while, He's doing a new work. And we want to be on the same page as him and the reason and how we get on the same page as him is reading his pages that's how he reveals himself to you so let's pray uh dear jesus thank you for tonight thank you for this place that we can come together a couple times a week or more and just uh get into your word Pray, Lord, for anybody here or at home that doesn't know you, that they just have to realize that they're sinners like us, all of us, or me, and that just like uh, we did, we just came to the cross. We just know that at the cross is where Jesus took our place. At the cross is where Jesus took our sins upon himself. At the cross is where we can lay everything down to him and Just start to follow Jesus through the power of His Holy Spirit. So if you're that person or people that want to receive Jesus, we're going to just say a prayer. It's it's not a memorized prayer. It's just a prayer from your heart to the Lord. And if you would just say this, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that you died on the cross for me. I just want to leave my self-directed life And turn and follow your direction, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for your word. Bring me to that part of your scriptures you want me to read and know. Just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer here or at home, at home, just give us a call at the number you see on the screen and we'll send you material. And if you're here, just come on up. We'll pray and, and we'll get you some material to get you started on your great adventure with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's worship God. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact 
at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.